How you doing today? I'm okay. How are you? <laughs> I got I got boosted today. Hell yeah! You're taking a photo. <laughs> I'm taking a photo of my cute scarf that I am recording in that Sakana sent me as I drink my tea that Stevie sent me. Because you had two secret Satans, because we got one last minute. Because I had two secret Satans, because, well, we didn't get one last minute. We, our, our thing fucked up and did not send forth one of them. And so I took on that secret Satan. Um, but it was meant to be, because I get all of my favorite things. Love it. All in one, all in one little, little spot here. And I I love and please keep sending us photos of your secret Satan gifts and everything because yes. like people have been hand making shit. They I mean like, I mean it's... if I didn't have a wedding this year I would definitely have handmade my gift. But I had so much shit going down that uh, I literally could not find time to <laughs> breathe. So hey, that's fine because I have no excuse and I didn't hand make shit. Um. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just very, I'm just very excited. I'm excited for everyone. Yeah. I'm excited for us to do this next year. I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited for this show, which is Crime Culture. Yeah. I think I dropped off a bit back there, but like. It's okay. We got this. We're in We here. eventually made here. it. Yeah. And um, before, 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 before. Okay. We get started. Uh, we have a couple correction sections. Is it correction or, or section or clarification? I was corner? about to ask you. I was about <laughs> to ask you, which is it? I, I, it, it, oh, it, we these, we got clarification. Told Mary many hats. Yes, we yes. got clarification on. We had thank you, our UK uh, listeners. We had clarification yes. on the pronunciation of a bunch of places in the UK that I straight up butchered in our episode fine. about uh, Breck Bedner. And uh, thank you very much. Yes. So, for example... Again, I cannot do pronunciations. I suck at it. Well, we have Loughborough. Loughborough. That, technically, I would say that's Elliot. That's Kim. Yeah, and I say, I say Elliot, Elliot fucked, fucked that, up. that up. Yeah. Elliot did fuck that up. He's but I just thought it was... I thought it was funny for two reasons. I thought it was funny because I was like, hey, Elliot got, got it wrong. But also because that was from um, Kim, who was actually in Loughborough the weekend that like our episode came out yeah and i was like oh what are the odds i it just it was very exciting to me and you know we love a we love a coincidental moment yeah and then and we can I'm throw it, see, we so can then, throw elliot under the bus because he's not here this weekend we can we can <laughs> it's a girl's it's it's no boys allowed it's girls only girls night um and then Except for the boys Sophie, that listen to us, thank you. Uh, yes, you're 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 invited. You're allowed. Um, Sophie, so apparently, Breck Bedner's like hometown or wherever they lived, whatever you call it, is pronounced Caterham because Sophie and Sophie's family lives there, and Sophie lives in a town nearby. All right, and again, like. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you for telling us we're wrong because, and that's not sarcastic. Like I love to learn. Haley loves to learn. We love to learn collectively. Um, I don't know. Is it collectively if there's only two of us? Yeah, sure. Oh yeah, sure. Fine. Whatever. But yeah, I'm just, I'm here for this. 
and I'm gonna get started. All right. <laughs> I'm excited. I don't even know what we're talking about. I'm so excited. Yeah, so we're talking about Marla Hansen and this this case, this story, it it just it covers a lot. It's 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 got a little bit of everything, like why women are afraid to tell men no, how female survivors are treated by the criminal justice system, slut shaming, um, just like the whole gamut. All right. And to kick things off, so Marla Hansen was born on June 18th, 1961 in Independence, Missouri, which is a suburb of Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And she was one of three children, but also had five half siblings. Her parents divorced soon after she was born. And as a kid, Hansen lived in Independence with her mom, who worked in a bowling alley, and her stepfather, who was a municipal, I can't say that word, municipal employee, and in 1986, she told Glamour magazine that she was actually sexually abused as a child hmm. and that her mother, quote, couldn't deal with it, end quote, when she told her. Wow. So that's really yeah, rough. That's very heavy. Um, and then when Hansen was 12, her dad, Bob, and his wife, Dorothy, took custody of Hansen and her brothers. And the siblings went on to live with Bob, Dorothy, and Dorothy's two children in Oak Grove and Odessa, Missouri, both of which are small farming towns. So Bob was kind of a like a very zealous, born-again Christian, and he raised his children in that faith and in a strict religious household. Um, so, for example, while he permitted Hansen to join her high school's cheerleading squad, um, she was not allowed to date any boys that were not born again Christian. And all potential dates were required to first meet with her father for like an interview. It's a which, little weird. Well, Hansen later laughed about it and told Texas Monthly journalist Jan, Jan Reed um, in 1993, nobody would do it. Quote, end quote. Like nobody <laughs> would stick around to like meet her. her nobody dad. would meet with her dad. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's. Which I thought was funny. It's it's weird. And it, like you're like a kid, like what, like 16, 17 years old, whatever. Like that's a that's lot terrifying. of pressure. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot of pressure. That's scary. Um, but yeah. So Hansen considered becoming a missionary, but found difficulty with certain aspects of the religion in which she was raised, although she was largely devout. Um, the big one was like speaking in tongues. Yeah. She just, yeah, that wasn't like her. She, somebody had to, if I remember correctly in my research, somebody had to like teach her how to like, hey, if you say this word backwards, it sounds like speaking in tongues. Like, yeah. that's kind of how they, like, a lot of the teenagers. Like, yeah, basically taught her to fake it almost. Yeah. 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 That, yeah, that but, is hard um, to get on board with. That's right. Right. It's a bit, but she was still very Christian. Sorry, go ahead. It's just like, especially like if you see it. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I went. I was raised Roman Catholic. It's not like people are speaking tongues in like a yeah. Roman Catholic church service. But um, yeah, like I mean, if you see like those like TV preachers and stuff, and they're doing it, it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. It's it looks like a TV show. Like it, it looks so. It looks fake. Yeah, yeah. but it's just a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's. It, I can understand, especially being a teenager. And you're kind of becoming your own person and learning yeah. and all of that. And questioning um, everything, pretty much. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, so in 1979, she enrolled in Southwestern Assemblies of God College in Waxahachie, Texas. Um, I had written a note to look up the pronunciation of <laughs> Waxahachie. 
And that sounds as you correct can tell to me. from my questioned Yeah, but you can't see the spelling of it. Um it's W A X A H A C H I E. Hey Autumn, tell us how to pronounce Autumn. it. <laughs> Autumn is our, um, our Texas listener. Yep. And while some rules such as mandatory daily chapel attendance didn't bother Hansen, she did rebel against the school's curfew and stringent dress code, which banned co-eds from wearing sweatpants, shorts, and jeans with zippers and required female students to wear stockings. Yeah. So in like protest, her friends and she would go to the library wearing long skirts and hiking boots. Okay. And I was like, here for that. And ultimately, she dropped out after three semesters and moved back home to Missouri, um, soon after which she moved with her family to Fredericksburg, Texas, which I can pronounce, in 1981, so they could be closer to her paternal grandparents who were getting on in their years. Totally understandable. Like, we all get that. And later that year, um, the Hansons moved, like, more south, I guess, in Fredericksburg is how this was portrayed in my research. Uh, her dad began working as a photo developer for a local newspaper, the Radio Post, and his wife and he also helped found a congregation called the Living Water Fellowship through which they kind of like took in foster kids, mm. like as part of their like, not mission for lack of a better word, but um, a part of their holy work. Yeah, kind of. And it was through this like that Marla or that Hansen had to share her room. Okay. And so... That was, being a teenager, obviously, that's tough. And one of Hansen's former roommates from that time, Dara Kratzner, later told Texas Monthly. And for the record, a lot of my research came from Texas Monthly. There was, like, Reed did an excellent, like, profile uh-huh. of Hansen. And so that's where a lot of this research came from. Okay. Um, but Kratzner told Texas Monthly, quote, for Marla, everything was black and white then. She didn't think we ought to listen to rock and roll. I had a guitar and we would sing praise songs. We would go for long walks. And one time it got dark and scary. She said, if we sing real loud, everything will be all right, end quote. Okay. So she was very much the like small town, good Christian girl. Uh-huh. And so then she began working as a sales clerk at a gift shop in Fredericksburg called The Peach Tree to save some money to attend the University of Texas at Austin. And there she met one of the owner's brothers and business partner, Jeep Collins. And Collins First was name this, Jeep. First name Jeep. Jeep the car, Jeep. Jeep the car, Jeep. Okay. I don't know. Autumn? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is this a thing? Um, so Collins was a handsome jewelry maker in his early 30s. Um, he was recently divorced. He was the father of a little boy. And sparks flew between the two. They began seeing each other and a big cornerstone of their relationship with Christianity, with the couple taking each other to their respective churches. But they ultimately broke up because Collins decided he needed to, as part as as a good Christian man, needed to do right by his family and therefore get back together with his ex-wife, which just broke uh. Hans's heart. Yeah. Um, she told Texas Monthly, quote, he was the love of my life, an intellectual cowboy, end quote. So in early 1983, Hansen was kind of a little bit still like nursing her wounds and working waiting tables at a German restaurant in Fredericksburg when a friend from the Bible college she went to called and asked if she'd be interested in working as a receptionist in Dallas. Mm -hmm. So Hansen jumped at that opportunity. And in her first few months living there, she began pursuing a license for selling financial securities before quitting her job and enrolling in real estate school. 
at, and then to like to support herself, she worked as a cocktail waitress at trendy places that would like help her live relatively comfortably. Uh-huh. Like, but working in bars and things like that was frowned upon in her religion. Yeah, I can see so, that. So yeah, so she didn't get a lot of support on that end, um, and also wasn't very good at the job. Um, she often suffered from lack of sleep because of working late nights and yeah. then getting up early in the morning to attend school. Or she'd show up late from her classes or from her day job and then her evening to her evening job. She's got so much going on. Yeah, but then also like she'd spill drinks or like you got a lot of high rollers coming in there and that guy's name is Fred, but you call him Steve. And just call so, everyone hun. Uh, that's <laughs> the that's the thing, or babe. Um but again, like she did end up getting like let go. But because Bummer. men are scum. But she knew how to play the game. She was gorgeous. Um, when customers would flirt with her, she would flirt back and take their business cards and hold on to them so that when she inevitably got fired, she could focus on just getting her real estate license and would tell her former customers and therefore potential clients in the future mm-hmm. that she will get in touch once she's obtained her real estate license. And I was like, she, Ooh. she does networking. I was like, you smart, baby. So as she continued to settle in living in Dallas, she met and fell in love with a med student from Fort Worth, Texas, but their relationship was pretty like on again, off again, and ultimately ended when he moved to Cleveland. Meanwhile, she struggled with her career because she got her license and then the real estate market kind of went bust as soon as that happened. So one of her business contacts helped her get a job with a top real estate firm because again, you hold on to those business cards, honey. Mm Mm-hmm. But she didn't make a lot of sales. So she later told Texas Monthly of her career struggles, quote, I didn't have the right last name. I didn't go to SMU and I drove a Honda. Plus, I looked like I was 12 years old, end quote. Hmm. She also struggled with the restrictiveness of her religion as she became more involved in the Dallas party scene, which was full of glamorous clubs and, you know, like the whole like sex, drugs, rock and roll thing and alcohol and Uh all, all kinds of stuff that comes with, for the most part, like that scene, but isn't heavily featured in bible studies yeah (laughs) um so hansen also spent a brief stint in jail after she got into a fight with her then roommate over a 250 fifty dollar rent deposit and wrote them a false check which caused her to get arrested at work and that is kind of foreshadowing of what is to come Mm -hmm. um but so just hang on to that but it, it is and it's not it's not the way you think. But um, during this period, she considered modeling, but Dallas-based agent Kim Dawson basically shut her down and told her that she would be wasting her time and her money by putting together a modeling portfolio because she was too short. She was five foot four. Mm. And she just didn't have the right look, this woman said. Again, she was gorgeous. Yeah. But regardless, undeterred. Hansen instead got a job at Dallas fashion firm JH Collectibles as a sales clerk, but she also did some showroom modeling for them, mostly demoing hats in exchange for a discount on the clothes so that mm. she would look like put together. So then in the summer of 1985, her boss offered her to transfer to New York City, which she quickly accepted, telling Texas Monthly, quote, I didn't have any family support. They didn't even come see me. I had no money, no education. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So you float around and try to figure it out. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs except for ecstasy. I did try that. 
I think I was pretty tame compared to the people I knew, especially the guys, Mm -hmm. end quote. So she was like up for the adventure. And when she arrived, she initially hated it because she kind of felt like a fish out of water. Um, She was alone. She was a girl from small towns in like the South from like a a wholesome Christian family that's Uh suddenly in New York City. Plus, like, you know, living in New York City is fucking expensive. Yeah. Um, and even what, in the what 80s. Time, yeah, this is in the... Oh, yeah. And yeah. in the 80s, New York was not great. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's it's not great. But also in the 80s, like, you're... Even in the 80s, it's, it's not cheap to live in New York City, yeah. despite the fact that it was, like, you know, not, not that, not that great. So, like, for example, her salary was $25,000, which in today money is, I, I had it on here, but I don't have it anymore. I don't know where it went. Um, not enough to, money, yeah, not enough to comfortably live in New York City in, like, a nice place. But exactly, yeah, like, not enough. And it, it's just, hang on, here we go. I had it I had it in a sentence away. It's about $63,735, give or take, with inflation. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not enough to live in New York City by yourself today. So yeah, that's not I enough mean, for a lot of people to live by themselves today, regardless of where you are. I mean, you probably could, but is if you lived in a room with no a windows, room. yeah, and... Uh, a closet yeah ate not great and did nothing else but and didn't have a bathroom to yourself (laughs) yeah and yeah um so obviously the salary wasn't enough to get by so she started working in bars again at night and uh, upon coming to the conclusion that there was no real upward mobility in her career as a showroom sales clerk hansen knew it was time for a change but she also didn't want to return to dallas as like kind of like some little girl that the big city had like chewed up and spit out Mm mm-hmm but she she was so she was like i want to go home but i don't want to be that girl that went back home it's like a pride thing yeah yeah however upon running into an old friend who spotted her through the window of a restaurant she later told texas monthly quote i thought wow wow i know someone here and that kind of gave her the end quote and that kind of gave her the push that she needed to feel at home in new york city and stay Hmm. So on three separate occasions during her first like weeks in New York, men would stop her on the street and give her their business card saying they were a photographer. They wanted to take her picture, like have her model for them, whatever. Creepy. But she just yeah, she figured they were just dirty old men and didn't give it a lot of thought until that is this young photographer she was seeing at the time happened to come across one of these business cards and was like, holy shit, no, this guy is a huge fucking celebrity photographer. You need to call a, You need to call him now. Okay. So she did. And while she did miss out on that particular job, they had already booked somebody else for it. Mm-hmm. That kind of gave her the confidence to assemble a portfolio. And so soon after she signed with Petite Modeling Agency and she was, so she wasn't, she wasn't tall enough to be a runway model mm-hmm. and she was also technically three inches too short to be what is considered a petite model but she did book gigs like catalog and advertising work as mm-hmm. well as a bit of like trivial magazine work for example like her eyes were featured in glamour magazine mm-hmm. just her eyes and her legs just her legs appeared in the now defunct mademoiselle magazine all right so after a few months 
Hansen, while working as a model, met 27-year-old makeup artist Steve Roth. And she told Texas Monthly, quote, I met him one night in a photographer's studio. I thought he was just this sleazo hanging out there. He said I should never shave my legs. He would be happy to wax them for me. Then he offered to wax my bikini line. Okay. He said, how would you feel about having my face between your legs? Huh. I said, I... I said, I would find that disgusting, actually, end quote. <laughs> Good for her. I was like, got him. Yeah, like, you go, girl. However, a few weeks later, Roth offered Hansen a room in an apartment he rented out to burgeoning models, which Hansen accepted since the rent was unbeatable at $600. And I've she heard, did like. I've heard mm-hmm. some stories about, like, those model apartments in New York City. Oh, yeah. Especially around this time that I, it doesn't sound great. Yeah, it's not it's not like a great situation, but she liked the roommates. Uh Um, She was going to live with three roommates and one was a fellow struggling model. And then there were two makeup artists. Mm -hmm. However, Roth proved to be anything but the ideal landlord. Um, He he would they would clash frequently. They would butt heads a lot over a variety of issues from who would have to pay for a broken shower head to inappropriate sexual behavior well i mean look at how the interaction started exactly um but for example she told the new york post quote roth was always just using a key to walk into our apartment whenever he felt like it we would be half dressed coming out of the shower and there he'd be at the kitchen table going through our mail it was creepy scary inappropriate he hit on me all the time but i had zero interest end quote this something similar happened to somebody else in my life that their landlord oh, like would just come into their apartment. Oh fuck, that's creepy. Isn't that really weird? That's fucking creepy. I'll tell you I'll tell you off mic, but there's worse stories, but I don't oh, feel comfortable. Gosh. I don't feel comfortable saying it without the person knowing that I'm talking about it. Right. I hope yeah. they don't listen to this. No, I don't I don't <laughs> think so. Cuz otherwise, I mean you technically are. No, um, but I mean but, I, that's not getting into details, but they lived in a sketchy yeah. situation where their landlord could come into their apartment at any time. That's fucked up. It, that's it was fucked up. it was really that's fucked not, up. That's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Hansen and her roommates finally agreed it was time to set some boundaries with Roth and that she, Hansen would be the one to voice all of their concerns. So, she told the New York Post, quote, "So I called Roth and told him he could no longer just enter the apartment whenever he felt like it." He flipped out, became enraged. Not long after we hung up, I was sitting on the futon when a shadow appeared over me. It was Roth. He was livid, veins popping in his neck, ranting like a madman. I thought he was going to physically attack me. He screamed that I wasn't going to tell him when he could enter the apartment he was renting to us, end quote. Immediately leave. Leave all of your shit and go back to Dallas, girl. Like, well, fuck that's- that. It's funny you say that because this understandably freaked Hansen out as it would freak anybody yeah. out. So she found another apartment owned by a different landlord, but in the same building. So she could easily just like move her shit and informed her roommates who were very understanding and then called Roth to tell him she was moving out. Don't tell him. Just fucking go. Well, immediately Roth came over and once again raged at Hanson, (gasps) leaving her as one of her roommates later said, quote, looking like a scared rabbit, end quote. But Hanson did not turn into some shrinking violet. Like she stood up for herself and threatened Roth with. So she was like, if you don't return my $850 security deposit to me, Mm. I'm going to sue you in small claims court and report you for illegal subletting. All right. Good. So, yeah. Fuck them. So in a surprise change of heart, Roth is suddenly like, "Okay, 
I'm, yeah, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna play ball now. Uh, Hansen told the New York Post, quote, the next day he called me to apologize. He said he wanted to give me back my $850 security deposit. He invited to take me for a ride on his motorcycle. I no. declined. Yeah. He asked me to meet him at a bar called Shutters around the corner from the building on the corner of West 35th Street and Dyer Ave near the entrance to the Lincoln Tunnel. He'd give me my money, which I needed, end quote. Yeah. Because, again, it's $850. Like, that's yeah. a lot of money in, like today money forget the fact that in 1985 it was like worth over two thousand dollars everyone needs that security deposit back yeah so shortly before her 25th birthday on the night of wednesday june 4th 1986 marla had her hair lightened or highlighted and her stylist and she then popped a bottle of champagne after to celebrate like how great it turned out and it was the end of the work day it was Uh like just like her and the people at the salon and they were all just like hanging out and vibing and it was the 80s cute um so over drinks hansen described her issues with roth and how she was supposed to meet him at a nearby bar like afterwards and her friends the salon these like new friends that she had just made were like do you want us to come with you? Like, we yes. have no problem coming with you. But she said, quote, no, it's all right. We're meeting in a bar. But if I wind up in a ditch somewhere, you know who did it. End quote. You want to you want to cut that off before it happens. Yeah. Just, you do like, not want to end up in the ditch. Because this is perfect scenario. If these people all just follow her to the bar, she could be like, he doesn't know that she knows them and they can watch yep. her back. Like, that's yeah. what I would want. Because yeah. this guy's fucking scary. Creepy. But I think she thinks, rightly so, that she put the fear of God into him. Um, so at around midnight on June 5th, Hansen and Roth met up at Shutters, where he told her that he would return the deposit, but that he only had half of it in cash, which was too much to give her in such a public place. And so he suggested that they step outside for the exchange. She no. recounted these events that followed to Texas Monthly, saying, quote, lots of people were out and it was a nice night. There was a neighborhood police station right around the corner. It didn't feel dangerous. I thought, surely he's not going to try anything. Then I saw him glancing over his shoulder. I turned around to what he was looking at, and there were two guys following us. The minute I saw them, I knew something was going on. I was running all these TV shows in my head. Your thoughts aren't even your own. Run, scream, panic. Then, wait, I'm getting all worked up over nothing. I calmed myself down. But Steve was acting so weird. Everything in the bar started to come back to me. When I got there, his hands were shaking. He was sweating and his eyes were all glazed over. I thought, that's it. These guys are going to try to kill or rape me. I don't know what comes over you. Almost a calmness, like shock. I should have seen what was going on. I started to look around to see how I could get out of it. But then the two guys ran up and caught me. They were pushing me through the parking lot. I saw Steve standing there under the streetlight, acting like he wasn't part of it. I don't know why I didn't scream. I backed up against a fence and tried to stay on my feet. I thought, they're probably going to kill me. I'm probably going to die. I just don't want to be raped, and it's hard to rape anybody who's standing up. It's a strange experience. It's like you're off somewhere watching yourself. I just resigned myself to the fact that I might die. I wasn't upset by that. The short one got around behind me, put his arm around my shoulders, and had one hand on my face. He was trying to push me onto the ground, but my legs were braced. The tall guy started waving his hands in front of me. I thought he was trying to tear my clothes off. I kept looking for cars, trying to push their hands away from me. I was trying to figure out what they were doing. I caught Steve's eye, and he had this horrified look on his face. And then all of a sudden, he came over and said in this loud voice, Say, what are you doing to that girl? The two Mm. men ran off down the alley. Steve grabbed me and jerked me through the parking lot without saying anything. 
I thought, now he's the one who's going to try to kill me. So I elbowed him really hard in the stomach and ran. When I ran out of the parking lot, I saw blood and started screaming. People just stared at me. I knew I had to get to a hospital. I tried to flag a cab, but I didn't have any money with me. So I ran back into the bar. The bartender started screaming, oh, my God, who did this to you? I said, Steve Roth. She looked at me and said, Steve, like she didn't believe me. Mm. Somebody got me some towels. I sat on the bar stool and I thought it's going to be my word against his, end quote. And she said in another interview with the New York Daily News that like people were so shaken up also by what I'll reveal in a minute happened to her that she actually had to instruct them, okay, you need to give me towels. Okay, you need to call 911. Yeah. Like, because what Hansen did not know, because she wasn't quite near a mirror, was that Hansen's face was slashed 15 times with a razor while Roth stood there and watched. Oh, my God. Yeah. So a few minutes later, a call came through on NYPD officers Joe Roman and Bill Geiger's radio, and the two who were in the vicinity of the attack stopped two black men who were sprinting down the street by the Lincoln Tunnel in bloodstained clothes. Um, they arrested the men and asked Hansen to identify them before taking her to the hospital. Twice, Hansen identified 19-year-old Darren Norman and 26-year-old Stephen Bowman as her attackers, with the taller Norman being the one who actually was holding the blade during the attack, while hmm. the shorter Bowman held her down. Hmm. Bowman was also found to have razor cuts on his hands and was revealed to have been a longtime friend and possibly lover of Roth's. All right. So that's the, pretty much like a nail in the coffin for those two. Like, oh, just found wait. run away with like, I don't know if they had the murder weapon with not murder. The, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the assault the blade weapon. with. Yeah. The blade with them and covered in blood like that seems like mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. um and i will say i had differing accounts of like what happened with them with the cops because obviously it's two black men and there's room for profiling in that but some said that they actually <laughs> stopped them because they were just running down the street if you're and running they were like yeah if you're running covered, covered in, blood, in blood yeah yeah and they were like what happened and the guys like gave them some kind of an excuse and then they left hmm. and then and then the radio so this is what i i heard two different accounts so the first was that happened and then they heard on the radio that this thing happened and that uh, like and the victim was at put the bar it together. And they, they turned around and they arrested the guys okay but then another account said that they just saw the guys running covered in blood and they handcuffed them forced them face down onto the sidewalk and arrested them without hearing that there was without, this assault uh, no they heard that there was an assault and that oh, they just okay. yes got it but okay. either way i don't know which is accurate but i'm putting both of those out there okay um so by the time hansen or, or i shouldn't say that um so by the time the cops got these men to the police station um bowman made a statement implicating roth and meanwhile, Roth had jumped into the squad car with Hansen, first claiming to be her fiance, mm. then later claiming to be a victim of a robbery. He, by the time Hansen got to the hospital, he, like, she accused Roth of, like, no, 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 this is what happened. And the authorities knew something was up because he had so many, had told them so many conflicting stories in just the hours after the attack. Yeah. So he was arrested and immediately taken to the police station as Hansen was taken into surgery. Hmm. Ultimately, my sources differed, um, but 
Between 100 and 150 stitches were required to close up Hansen's facial wounds, um, which were about an inch deep. Oh, my God. Yeah. Her plastic surgeon later said, quote, I felt like I was fixing a porcelain vase, but I kept thinking that all I was doing was pushing the pieces together. I can't make the vase perfect again. End quote. Wow. By her second day in the hospital, Hansen told Texas Monthly that the phone in her room was ringing nonstop. But when she tried to answer, quote, the doctor went crazy. He said, don't you understand? Those are muscles in your face. You've got to lie flat on your back. You can't talk. So I unplugged the phone. The nurses came in and said, look, we are not your answering service. We're not equipped for this. You've got to plug that phone in. What the fuck? And she said, so I did. And it rang nonstop. End quote. Meanwhile, um, so she explained to Texas Monthly, I didn't have a quote. I didn't have a private room because I didn't know how I was going to pay for anything. End quote. Yeah. So when she wasn't answering the phone, reporters then began barging into her room demanding (gasps) interviews. Uh-huh. That's fucked up. They should keep those people out of a hospital. Yeah. There should be yeah. laws against that. Yeah. Um, a TV journalist then convinced Hansen that the story was national news and that she needed to get word to her loved ones that she was okay. So Hansen agreed to do an interview with him and then all of the other reporters got pissed. So then she had to hold a press conference to calm them all down. Oh, my God. Now, obviously, with her face marred and the extensive surgery required to attend to her injuries, Hansen had some serious financial concerns. Then, while still in the hospital, she received a call from the secretary of octogenarian retail chain founder, investor, and and philanthropist. I can't say that word, apparently. Philanthropist. Philanthropist Milton Petrie. uh, Or Petrie? Um, either way, he was like, like he was like an investor in Toys R Us. He okay. had like a whole chain of department stores and like a bunch of chains of department stores, I should say. <coughs> very, very rich man. And he, so this the secretary calls and reveals that her boss had written Marla or written Hanson a check for twenty thousand dollars. Damn. To cover yes, to cover her her hospital stay and her surgery and everything. And again, this is twenty thousand dollars. In 1986, this is, like, much more than $20,000 today. This is, like, fucking, like, $50,000 in 1986 money. There are some good people. Well, because that's the thing that I want to bring up here. So, yeah. So, Hanson told Texas Monthly that when she initially tried to decline this kind offer, Petri, Petri's secretary said, quote, listen, let's be practical. You don't have any money. My boss has millions. His wife would spend more than this on one dress. End wow. Quote. Which was true. Um, but also, Petri went on to become a further benefactor to Hansen and set her up with a $20,000 a month trust fund for the rest of her life. Because he was that fucking rich. But this wasn't in like a creepy way. Like, this was just something that he did. And he did it for a lot of people. Wow. Like, a, like a woman, it, like, he, he really, like like supported for example and again this is like everybody's got their achilles um everybody's got like something bad about them so to speak but like he really supported cops and the nypd and like for example one woman's husband got killed in the line of fire and he set her up for life i mean it's not that woman's no uh, no 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 yeah like no but but i but to preface that like some people are like oh but like why would you give money to like cops or families of cops like i i just i think that what he he just really always wanted to help out average people who did not have the money that he did and the yeah. the wealth that he did. Listen um, up, Bezos. Yeah, seriously, because this dude was Christ. like a Bezos. Um, 
But yeah, so he just liked to use his money to help out like ordinary folks who came upon like hard times or fucked up circumstances. Yeah. And Hanson happened to be one of those people. Damn. Um, so others came out of the woodwork to support Hanson as well, including those two NYPD officers who assisted like in the arrest and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I get into this, I want to preface with I don't want this to come across as propaganda. But at the same time, I think it's important to recognize the good a- eggs or apples or whatever you want to call it in this system, because those are the types of people that we want to serve our communities, yeah. not the like racist, sexist, abusive assholes that manage to infiltrate our law enforcement system. That think uh, having a gun is a second dick. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. And like, and one of them, for example, Roman, like there was an obituary put out about him because like, for example, he on his own time went to like sort through the rubble in 9-11. Wow. Like he was, he, yeah, like he, he was like, he seemed, I don't know everything about him, obviously, but he seemed like one of the good ones, Joe yeah. Roman, Um, which I hate that even as a phrase. But um, anyway, Hansen later told the New York Daily News, quote, Joe and Billy showed up at the hospital to visit me. They brought a copy of Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Joe brought flowers and he used a urinal as a vase on my nightstand. <laughs> I was recovering from major plastic surgery and I cracked up laughing. The doctors told me I had to stop laughing or I would tear the stitches. These that's, two guys were my heroes. <laughs> yeah. That's so fucked um, up. Don't yeah. feel joy. Yeah. So she said, these two guys were my heroes. It didn't hurt that they were cute as hell, but all we ever became were friends. They had true compassion, end quote. Hmm. And they ended up staying in touch, especially like Hanson and Roman stayed in touch for the rest of his life. Yeah. I mean, like something like that is definitely like life changing, especially like when the story gets so big and like Mm -hmm. you were the two cops that like were first there. Yeah. Uh, That's only an experience that you and the person the other people that went Went through through it it, yeah yeah, can have so like yeah i can understand that right and it's funny you say that because the new york daily news went on to present roman and geiger with hero of the month awards for Mm -hmm. how they helped hansen yeah um however not all of the support hansen received was necessarily positive she later told texas monthly quote there was this outpouring of compassion and i was extremely moved by it but a lot of it had a very strange tone Old friends were saying, it's your karma, and well, I knew something like this would happen if you moved to New York. Ew. It all start, it, was, it was starting to sink in. Somehow this was all my fault. A woman in Dallas called and said, you don't know me, but we're very concerned about you down here. Honey, whatever you've done, God will forgive you. You may have strayed off the path of righteousness, but that's okay. Oh, we all get a yourself. second chance. God will forgive me? What have I done exactly that I need to be forgiven for? So I said, fuck you, and hung up. My dad was really shocked. There were a lot of religious callers like that, implying I had gone to New York and just gone wild. This is what happens when you're bad. There's this big lesson being taught here. I thought, how sad that you people would think God is like a mafia boss. You got to do what he says or you're going to get your face cut. End quote. Yeah, it's fucked up. And they don't know the whole fucking story. No, no, not many people did. Uh, By the time Hansen was released from the hospital five days later, the prosecution of her attackers was underway, with Roth being tried separately from Norman and Bowman. And at the advice of an assistant district attorney, um, I'm not sure if it's the one that usually worked with her, if there were multiples on her team, I couldn't really tell. 
Um, but Hansen wore her hair back, tied back, and she wore no makeup during the trial so that her scars would be f- clearly visible. Yeah. Especially a long S-shaped gash that ran from her right cheek to the corner of her mouth. Ugh. Roth's attorneys said in their opening arguments that they would not dispute the, quote, gruesome nature of Hansen's injuries, but that they would try to show that Roth had not intended to cause the attack, much less participate in it. Mm. Upon being called to the stand, Hansen testified, quote, their hands went straight for my face. They pushed me down, end quote, and then demonstrated to the jury how she was shoved into a crouch against a wall and her face was held in position by Bowman while Norman stood over her with the razor. She then said, quote, I felt a stinging. I thought maybe they were spraying something in my eyes or my face. The taller man started moving his hands back and forth for a minute, a minute and a half. It seemed like forever, end quote. Hmm. After nearly three hours on the witness stand, the jury watched silently as Hansen, who was fighting back tears, went up to the jury box at the request of Assistant District Attorney Connie Fernandez to trace her scars with her finger, as Fernandez described them aloud for court record. Wow. The evidence against Roth was circumstantial because he was just there. Yeah. But he ended up incriminating himself because he was just like, again, he was like, I'm a robbery victim. And... I was just there, wrong place, wrong time. Uh-huh. Until he testified that he had broken off an alleged relationship with his alleged then boyfriend Bowman on June fourth. So the 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 day going into the night that yeah, she was yeah. attacked and announced his engagement to a very to quote, a very pretty girl, end quote, at that same time. Uh-huh. And then he alleged that Bowman had gone into a jealous rage and mistakenly attacked Hansen because he thought she was Roth's fiance. Okay. And then everybody was kind of just like, well, why did you say you were a robbery victim? And also, why did you say that she was your fiance? Yeah. So, needless to say, on December 20th, 1986, Roth was found guilty of first-degree assault for arranging the attack on Hansen. Mm-hmm. But his sentencing was postponed until after Norman and Bowman's trial, which began in March 1987, and went significantly less well. Mm. Like I said before, uh... Roth's attorneys immediately were like, oh, yeah, this is terrible what happened to her. Like, but we want to make it seem as though, like, he had no prior knowledge. He had no intention of this. Um, This did not go quite the same for the trial of Norman and Bowman. Um, In his opening statement, Bowman's attorney, activist lawyer Alton Maddox Jr., launched a scathing attack against Hansen in which he slut-shamed her and even accused her of being a racist due to just the fact that she was a white woman who moved from Texas to New York. Okay. Maddox said, quote, and this is, this is fucked up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna level with you. Um, he said, quote, I will tell you about a woman named Marla Hansen who was after every man in this city, a woman who preyed on men and their relationships with women. Marla Hansen, a girl out of Texas, has got a lot of racial hangups. As she walked up that street, just the simple act of seeing two black men walking, saying nothing to her, acting in the fashion of any two civilized men, she went absolutely nuts. Immediately, she began to think she was about to be raped, and immediately began to think about all the fear of black men she had brought from Texas. End quote. But, like, I don't understand because all of that is circumstantial, too. Yeah, but like how, also it's not like he was twisting her words. Yeah. Like it, it just it really bothered me. And what's worse, 
Maddox wasn't the only one who publicly attacked Hanson and her character. He also was like, oh, she wore mini skirts. She was such like a horror. She she was constantly like flirting with men who were like in relationships, um, which again, like you said, all circumstantial. Yeah. Um, and also this dude, what did he have? Like, like, uh, like somebody watching her the entire time. What makes you think this? Yeah. Um, but he wasn't the only one who publicly attacked Hanson and her character. Um, Reverend Al Sharpton, maybe you've heard of him. Uh-huh. He led protests at the courthouse where people screamed at Hanson as she walked inside, calling her a, quote, white bitch, end quote. <sighs> Furthermore, okay. the judge who presided over both Roth's trial and that of Norman Bowman, Norman and Bowman, New York Supreme Court Justice Jeffrey Atlas, told Fernandez, the, the ADA, that Hanson's alleged flirting with, quote, other women's men, end quote, was, quote, improper low even end quote Mm -hmm. and he did nothing to stop maddox from his seemingly personal attacks on hansen even permitting him to introduce roth's description of hansen as a quote cunt into the trial and he himself the judge asked for her interpretation of the term humiliated hansen quietly responded the same as quote the same as a bitch end quote like just uh, like seriously like just a fucked up like what a fucking trial uh, uh, what a fucking trial but also like what a fucking asshole judge yeah like serious like what a what a douchebag to do that yeah like it's Um, it's really unfortunate that these guys had like i don't know it's like yes they they were black and but they also did the crime yeah one of them like, had fucking not, these two things on his not, hands these two things are not like mutually exclusive they didn't do the crime because they were black they did the crime because were they hired by this fucking guy like were they like did they know like they knew him and then they flew into like a fit of rage because they thought like this was the girl that he was talking about i like i don't even know if that story's true right right like it's it sucks that it happened but like you need to prosecute the people that did it yeah absolutely 100 percent. so yeah um officers roman and geiger continued to support hansen um, they even drove her and her lawyer, Michael Shannon, not that Michael Shannon, to <laughs> thanks for that, <laughs> um, to the courthouse and escorted them past protesters, just to like give her a feeling of safety. Yeah, because that's um, scary. Yeah, well, yeah. Hanson later told the New York Daily News, "quote It was an ugly time where I felt like I was being attacked again. This time, my character being slashed." End quote. Mm. Like how fucking awful. And interestingly. Though the allegations that Hansen's racial biases caused her to wrongfully accuse two allegedly innocent black men as a white woman were never brought up again by Maddox, he did suggest at the end of the trial that Bowman got the cuts on his hands, actually trying to protect Hansen from Roth, not because he was holding her face in position. Okay. Uh, but also, can they, like, did they give any other, like, examples of how she's, like, apparently this huge racist besides the That's fact what I'm that saying. she moved other from the Texas to New York? And and that she was, like, from, like, the Bible Belt thumping, whatever that phrase is. Well, like, I, that's I'm what I'm sure... saying. Outside of the opening statement, like, there was no other references made. Like, he just planted that seed and then he let, like, just the public so the tr- opinion yeah. 
yeah. go with it. Yeah, just so the jury could like cast doubt. I mean, that's his whole job is to defend his. That's I mean, his whole job, but that's also shit, but. his like his that he and Al Sharpton would work together on other cases. I also don't understand do like that happen. This happens in a couple of cases that we talked about. Like the person defending the actual monster has to like make their case, and I understand that's your job. But also, how do you sleep with yourself? Like, yeah, how, how do you live with the fact yeah. that like. Like some of these people, like they know for certain that this person mm-hmm. did like this garbage thing. Like we'll talk about um, Gacy. No, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> oh, we'll talk about yeah. Well, I mean, we'll talk about all that, but we'll talk about uh, Gacy hopefully in the near future. And uh, his lawyer wrote a book, and he mm. like he said like I knew he did it. I yeah. knew for a fact he did it. My yeah. job was to say that he didn't know what he was doing when he did it. I'm like, but he still did it. And you knew that. You knew that. Yeah. I and you still I, defended I, him. I don't know. I, I yeah, think no, it's, I'm with I think you. it's fucking I'm with crazy. I think, I think defense attorneys like that are the guy that defended Casey Anthony, um, Baez. But, um, Didn't she sleep with him? I don't know. I don't know whether or not that happened. Or was that somebody um, else? Like, for sure. No, like, I think that that was rumored, but I don't know whether it for sure happened. I think he definitely um, had, like, a big-ass crush on her. He, oh, he, yeah, obviously. Um, but... It, like people like that and like that goes right up there with in my opinion the the attorneys who defend like the people who are in my opinion defenseless um but not in like that way like they can't be defended like they're they're shitty people mm-hmm. um and the ones who represent school districts in not giving special needs kids their what they need what like for their ieps and things like that yeah and those people do do that professionally like if 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 it's kids if it's if it's dealing with survivors and victims like just i just i don't understand how people can sink that low yeah i have a consciences i had a a lawyer friend that was a paralegal like um that their his like law firm sued pharmaceutical companies for like Mm -hmm. fucking people over and i'm like Mm -hmm. yeah these fucking pharmaceutical people like Jesus fucking Christ. How do you how do you live with yourself? I don't understand. It's fucking no. wild. No. Um but yeah. So on May 5th, 1987, the jury convicted 27-year-old Bowman and 21-year-old Norman of first-degree assault. The following week, Roth was sentenced to 5 to 15 years in prison, um which that same sentence came down to Norman and Bowman 2 months later. Mhm. Uh, but Roth was also fined $5,000 with Judge Atlas saying during the sentencing, quote, in plain English, Stephen Roth is, I am sorry to say, an unbelievably Machia- Machiavellian person who has done a horrible thing and caused very grave harm, end quote. Bitch, why are you sorry to say that? Yeah, that's like the guy saying, like, Bundy uh, Sounds should... like white men defending white men. Yeah, Bundy should have been, uh, could have been a great lawyer. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't compliment why? him when he's a no. murderer. He did a shitty thing. Yeah. However, it gets better. Well, not better, but... So, prior to sentencing, the judge took time to shout at Hansen, literally drove her to tears, and Shannon, her attorney... That he was furious at their public criticism of the criminal justice system when Hansen told reporters that she was humiliated by the questioning she was forced to undergo by Maddox, which the judge said he had to allow because the prosecution failed to object. Hmm. Bullshit. Um, judge Atlas then said to Shannon, quote, 
don't make a mockery of this courtroom. There is a constitution in this country. Don't make public criticism of this courtroom. I am incensed, sir, about the way you and your client have treated this court, end quote. Again, he just screamed at her before carrying down the sentence. Not even after. I could go on a rant of how people need to fucking separate themselves from their jobs. You are not your job. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can be a judge, but that's not who you are. That's your job. That's how you make money. You got to fucking be a person first before you can be a judge, before you can be a cop, before you could be X, Y, Z. Be a person first. Yeah. And and again. And realize what you're doing. You don't like that you were called out. Yeah. You you weren't you did not do a good job. You literally she was they called her a fucking cunt. Yeah. And instead in of you saying room. out of like that's out of line, you said, "Oh, and could you define that word for that's me?" You're not fuck fucking you. stupid. There's no. a reason why you're on the goddamn fucking Supreme Court of New York State, and it's not because you're stupid. You know what cunt means. Yeah, like just it was it was to make her and if you feel don't like shit and if you don't, if you don't now you do yeah and if you don't um, maybe if you, you don't are you one. are one no i was just gonna say yeah <laughs> but i'm kidding i don't know if Haley is uh, <laughs> i mean i don't fucking know who this asshole is yeah um oh i thought you meant our listeners if our listeners don't know i, was oh, like, no, I, I would never okay. i would never insult I our listeners with. like yeah. that <laughs> but we will insult this judge who you can still find on linkedin um uh-huh. anyway <laughs> So, um, he also, so, so he like, he just, uh, the fact that he made her cry really pissed me off. However, after a brief recess, Judge Atlas apologized to Hanson and Shannon. Um, but then in a three page public statement, then New York City Mayor Ed Koch expressed outrage over Judge Judge Atlas's comments. Um, and I believe also Koch may have appointed him to the Supreme Court. And mm. after, but after this, he was like, I am reconsidered. Like, he was like up for like reappointment, basically. Yeah. And Koch was said, I believe Koch said, like, I'm, I know, I don't know whether or not for certain Koch had appointed him. I do know that he said that this behavior made him reconsider reappointing him. Yeah. Like, he was like, I don't know if I'm going to now. Um, but he expressed outrage at Judge Atlas's comments, saying Hansen, quote, went through hell, end quote, and, quote, has already suffered enough, end quote, and added, quote, I am shocked. No, I am outraged. Mm. For Judge Atlas to suggest that he was powerless is just plain wrong. Judge Atlas knows better. A presiding judge is the keeper of his or her own court, end yeah. quote. Koch also criticized Maddox, saying he was, quote, a zealous attorney who uses the media to gain tactical advantage, end quote. Yep. And by just demon, not even demonizing, but just by abusing Hansen and ask and asking uh, uh, Koch was asking, quote, how many times must a victim be victimized? End yeah. Quote. Yeah. So he condemned the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Um, And obviously, I feel like it can't be ignored that had Hansen been a woman of color, would this be the case? Had Hansen been a trans woman, would this be the case? Would, would if she all hadn't, of this if she hadn't outrage... even been like a notably beautiful woman? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, get, it gets down that far. Like it's but, not I mean, right. Yeah, but... you can say like, could it have been different? Should, like, would it have been different? It might have been, but like, this is the case that we're dealing with, and exactly. Like, uh, yeah, it's important to like talk about all those other cases too that didn't get yes. as much coverage because of bullshit 
prerequisites like that. It's like, oh, you got to be a pretty white woman to get covered. Well, and I also think that this is unique because when when Roth, however it went down, whether he planned it, whether it was like he he didn't know what they were going to do. He just knew they were going to do something regardless. This all happened because a woman said no and a woman told a man I don't like how you're treating me. I don't like how inappropriate you're being. I am not interested in you. Yeah. And he responded by not just he he responded by not just ruining her confidence, her looks, her face. Mm-hmm. He ruined her livelihood. Yeah. She was a model. That was her job. It's it's no different like, than if you take a pianist and you chop off their hands. Yeah. Like that's it, what he did to her regardless of her age, her race, her sex was a, a uniquely cruel and unbelievable assault. Well, I mean, you can make It's more than just stabbing a person. As, Sorry. Like as you're explaining that, it sounds exactly like the Tanya Harding Nancy Kerrigan thing. Yeah, I, I'd say yes, bludgeoning but not her legs. quite. Bludgeoning her legs, yes. But I'm saying, but Tanya Harding also didn't do that because Nancy Kerrigan told her, I don't want to have sex with you. No, no, no. Times. But like, it's the same thing of like, you're like ruining a person's livelihood. Yeah. And that's, that's ruining a uniquely disgusting crime. Yes. It's, it's not so much of like. And we'll get into Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Don't oh, yeah, yeah. Is. Yes. Like, there's definitely something to be said about, like, yeah, you can uh, light someone's car on fire or, like... You can you can stab them in the abdomen. Yeah, yeah. But, like, specifically going after the thing that they need to do their, their job or, like, be who they are, pretty much, is, like, yeah. that is sinister. Yeah. Not to mention her, like, feelings of security. Like, again, yeah, he was a sleazy dude, but... At the same time, he wasn't to the point where, like, she felt like she couldn't trust being alone with him. Yeah. And, like, everything, like, the way you, like, led up to it saying, like, what happened with her, like, what her decisions were and everything like that. I agreed with it. Like, yeah, yeah, you need to get the fuck out of that apartment. I mean, honestly, I would have ate the 850 and just left because this guy is terrifying. Or meet him at an even more public place. Don't go outside with him alone. Like, Or in the daytime. Yeah. I mean, but, and this is not to shame her. This is just like hindsight is 2020. Yeah, 100%. But at, yeah. in, if I were in her shoes at that time, I would have probably done all of the things that she did. Yeah. Like, because again, like, especially with the money, money is money, especially when you don't have any. Yeah. And like, she knew him <clears throat> prior. Yeah. So she, she at least knew him enough to be like, well, I know this guy. Like, I'm, I'm fine. And, and she knew people who knew him. They had yeah. mutual friends. Like, for example, the bartender who was like Steve Roth. Yeah. Like, so anyway, but Hanson actually later used this experience with, with Judge Atlas to lobby for reform in the way victims of crimes are treated in criminal courts. Mm. In 1990, she traveled to Washington, D.C. to provide testimony in support of legislation introduced by Delaware Senator and then Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman. I I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Joseph R. Biden Jr., is that correct? Oh, wow. I've never heard of this guy. Uh Uh-huh. But Biden, I think that's how you say it. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to end this bit now, I promise. Um, He introduced a bill to combat violence against women and protect victims and punish the guilty in trials like the one that followed Hanson's assault. Mm. So Hanson explained 
how she was subjected to, quote, interrogations, end quote, and that her responses were turned over to defense attorneys who portrayed her as, quote, some kind of prostitute, end quote, and that they threatened to put her behind bars. She said, quote, the psychological violence I endured throughout the trial of my attackers was far more traumatizing to me than the attack on the street. It seemed I was blamed for being the architect of my own suffering, end quote. And not for nothing, you said she was on the stand for three hours, Three right? hours for, for just Roth's trial. Yeah, and like the cr- the crime like the actual like assault Took couldn't have been minutes. yeah couldn't have been more than a couple minutes and she was questioned for three hours yeah about it and to reenact it yeah and and to relive it over and over um hansen also stressed that she ultimately lost all of her major modeling contracts not because and, and her agent dropped her um Fuck. not because she was disfigured but because she had become a symbol of quote violence and the stigma of victimization yeah. like people that they'd seen only her. saw that when yeah. they looked at her yeah um hansen also filed a civil suit against roth norman and bowman because of this on monday september 28 1987 the jury awarded hansen 78 million dollars damn 78 million dollars hell yeah i'm gonna say that one more time, $78 million in 1987. Fuck. For those of you doing the math, that is over $188,346,655. Hell yeah. Um, so needless to say, she got awarded a fuck ton of money. And let's not forget, she also has a trust fund. Uh-huh. Um, but the jury awarded this for past and future lost earnings, past and future medical expenses, pain and suffering, and punitive damages. And though the men were all broke, the judgment was to remain in effect for the next 20 years, meaning that any money that the men came into would just go directly to Hanson. Yeah. So, I mean, she probably didn't get that much money. Yeah. But. But still, they got none. Yeah. Um. So the jurors said in a note read by the presiding judge, Justice Irma Vidal Santaya. I like, I like, no, I just like, my brain broke for a second looking at it. I Like you ever do that where you look at a word and you're like, I know this word, but you can't say the word. Yeah, that happened on a past episode. We had to cut it out because I stumbled oh, so yeah, badly that's true. That's over true. such a simple oh, word. God. I wish I could remember what the word was. <laughs> Um, it really was a simple word, if I can oh, ever God. find it. My brain fucking died. I yeah. couldn't say it. Short-circuited. Um, but yes, so in this note read by Justice Cintea, uh, the jurors said, quote, We want to send a loud and clear message about how much the people of this city value the health and safety of its citizens. Yeah. Quote. Don't fucking and do assaults. Yeah. And <clears throat> the jury for women, and again, not just, not, not again, not just assaults. They completely changed the trajectory of her life like yeah. somebody assaults you on the street yes it's terrible yes it will change like bits of your life you will be afraid you will be like traumatized you will be whatever but for the most part it will not literally like change your entire future mm. like any like like people i hate the question about the five-year plan but any five-year plan that she had out the window yeah um, but so, yeah, so the jury for woman, Carolyn Gilbert, who was a former model, mm. she 
and the six she said the six jurors would have awarded Hansen more money, but or quote, but we wanted to be realistic, end quote. And I was like, damn. damn. Yeah. And after the judgment came down, Gilbert also like grabbed Hansen in the hallway outside the courtroom, was just like, hey, wait, and gave her a hug and told her, quote, we wanted to go all the way for you. We wanted you to know. So we put in the state in the statement that no amount of money would compensate for these vicious and malicious attacks, end quote. Yeah. And Hansen like thanked her and responded, quote, the statement was important. I knew going in that I wasn't going to get much money, but I wanted them to make a statement that people were not going to stand for this kind of thing, end quote. Yeah. And then Gilbert told Hansen as well, quote, don't give up. Stay here. If you need help, I'm available, end quote. Mm. As in, like, stay here in New York. Don't just leave New York because this terrible thing happened to you. Yeah. Um, because in another interview, Hansen said something like, I saw the best and worst of New York City in one night. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure how much Hansen ended up actually getting that was paid out to her. But I will say that ultimately Norman and Roth served the full 15 years in prison. Mm. And Bowman died in jail. Wow. Yeah. So for a year after the attack, Hansen did not seek psychological help because she was afraid it would undermine her testimony. Um, mm. So when the trials were finally over, she kind of hit rock bottom. Um, her modeling career was over. She had gotten some offers as an actress, but the characters all ended up disfigured or dead. Talk about insulting. Ugh. And when Hansen did finally seek professional help, it was at the urging of NYPD officer Roman who had mm. continued to check in on her every so often. Um, he he was a military veteran. I believe he was a Marine veteran. Mm -hmm. And he believed that she had PTSD and was kind of just like, hey, like you need to like get help. Yeah, 100%. Um, like somebody had contacted him and been like, hey, I don't think she's doing well. Um, and th that I should say, that was after what I'm about to tell you. But she saw a psychologist and the psychologist told her that the attack and its aftermath had reduced her emotional maturity to that of a 12-year-old and warned her that she needed to take control of her life before it was too late. Hansen decided to go back to school and study filmmaking, which fucking delighted Petri mm -hmm. because he was a regent at NYU, New York University. All right. And the tuition for NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, which housed, among other things, their film school, uh -huh. was $20,000 a year. Which is oh, the shit. exact same amount Hansen received yearly from the trust fund he set up for her. Yeah. So he was like, baby, you're set. Like, you're good. Yeah. So as an anecdote about just how powerful and determined Hansen was as she took control of her life once again, during her senior year at NYU, she had to write, direct, and produce a 30-minute film, which it ended up being she wrote a script called Love on the Boston Shuttle. Mm -hmm. And she needed to raise $50,000 on top of her tuition and living expenses to complete this project shit so she paid for everything on a credit card she was like i'm gonna make it happen her script for example called for scenes in an airport which is difficult yeah if not borderline impossible for a major filmmaker to accomplish mm -hmm. but she managed to convince new york's laguardia airport to allow her and her crew to film during a lull in air traffic on super bowl sunday she was like look nobody's <laughs> gonna be here uh, there's no lull in air traffic at LaGuardia. I, at the time, it was the 80s. I guess. <clears throat> but either way, she got them to do it, and they did it. Damn. And then furthermore, actress Gina Gershon volunteered to play the lead. Damn. Volunteered to play the lead. 
um spike She's showing up all of her classmates well seriously spike lee's sound editor worked on it damn author george plimpton allowed the crew to destroy his office for one scene (laughs) and even leonard cohen contributed a song to the soundtrack wow so and and shockingly i'm like i'm a little bit pissed about this it did not like she when i was reading about this it was like right after she had done it and they were like oh like she's she gonna try B-. to submit minus? it to festivals no 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 she, they were like she was gonna try to submit it to festivals but like no networks wanted it weird yeah and i was like i want to fucking see this because she clearly accomplished something fucking huge yeah um but yeah and in 1994 hansen graduated with a bachelor's degree in film production damn so in the 90s, Hansen wore a few different hats as she broke into the film industry. Um, she also, in, 19, in in like the early 90s, if not earlier, she sold the rights to her story, which resulted in the production of the 1991 TV movie Face Value or the Marla Hansen story. Okay. She served as a consultant on this movie. It has a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb and an 83% Google score, and you can rent it, rent it on Amazon Prime Video. Hmm. Hansen also served as an associate producer on the 1995 horror vampire film The Addiction, directed by Abel Ferrara and starring Lily Taylor from Mystic Pizza, Edie Falco from, you know, being fucking Edie Falco, and the Sopranos. Christopher Walken, The Sopranos, Nurse Jackie, yes, yeah. but also Christopher Walken, mm. which this also uh, featured fellow associate producer and current Secretary of State Antony Blinken? Huh. I don't, I don't, That's I don't know. That's a career know. pivot. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I, I, have All I told right. you I don't know? Um, also, again, what is it with Marla Hansen's connections to the Biden administration? Um, yeah. But yeah, it has a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, an 85% Google score, and a 76% tomato reader rating, and 80, or 68% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, with the critics' consensus being, quote, Abel Ferrara's 1995 horror suspense experiment blends urban vampire adventure with philosophical analysis to create a smart, idiosyncratic, and undeniably odd take on the genre, end quote. Not terrible, not, not. All right. Yeah. Hansen was also the editor of another Abel Ferrara and Christopher Walken movie, the 1996 crime drama The Funeral, which also starred Isabella Rossellini, Benicio del Toro, and Chris Penn from Reservoir Dogs and, you know, brother of Sean Penn. Mm. It has a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, an 85% Google score, and a 79% tomato meter rating and 67% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, with the critics' consensus being, quote, Abel Ferrara reunites with Christopher Walken to forge another haunting gangster saga, delivering a bruising exploration of vengeance, end quote. Hansen also wrote the 1997 TV movie Subway Stories, Tales from the Underground, which I think was an HBO movie. Okay. Um, it has a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 93% Google score. And then she also wrote the mystery drama The Blackout, which was also directed by Abel Ferrara and starred Claudia Schiffer and Dennis Hopper. Um, it has a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, a 67% Google score, and a 0% tomato meter rating, which I think is a little too harsh, and a 52% oh, it, audience score on it, Rotten Tomatoes. It's a 0% and not it is like a zero. It, not that it, do, it doesn't have not a score. Not that it doesn't have one. It has a zero. Ah, well, um, all right. Well. But again, a 52% audience score, 67% Google score, and 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. That seems more like, okay, yeah, that seems yeah. more normal, but you can watch it for free on Tubi or IMDb TV, which is you can get through Amazon Prime. Um, so you can judge it for yourself. 
But then in 1997, Hansen married Douglas Howell and the two went on to have a daughter. And although she gave the occasional like inspirational speech here and there and she did the lobbying and stuff like that, she largely stepped out of the spotlight, though her IMDb trivia page said that she was writing screenplays for short films in early 2000 in the early 2000s. Okay. Uh, But in 2020. So this is how I I had kind of heard of this story way back when. Um. I don't know how. I think maybe it had to do with she had dated Emilio Estevez for like a year and a half. Okay. So I was thinking maybe that was it. But in 2020, Hansen appeared on season one, episode three of the Netflix reality <laughs> show Skin Decision, in which a plastic surgeon and a dermatologist kind of weigh in on a patient's skin issues and decide how to help them, whether huh. they need plastic surgery or like outpatient surgery. There's really and a TV show for everything, isn't there? There really is. And I watched it because I'm fucking fascinated by that shit. And it was early 2020 um, and <laughs> there yeah, wasn't a lot going it, on. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, but I, I'm hearing the story and I was like, oh, that sounds so familiar. And then they reveal it's Marla Hansen. Marla Hansen went on this show because um, it also dives into like the patients themselves, like their backstory, how their skin, whatever's going on, makes them feel, etc. Okay. And some of them, it's like really like deep shit like this. And then other people, it's just like, oh, like I'm struggling with like aging. Yep. Like, it's not all, like, Marla Hansen's story. But so I'm watching the show, and this mom comes on. And you can imagine, like, my surprise when it's revealed that, oh, she's Marla Hansen. And Hansen told the doctors, like, she recounted the attack for the viewers and its aftermath. And she said, quote, my beauty is what caused this assault on me. As a result, as a reaction to that, I've made sure that the focus on me was no longer on the way I looked, end quote. Hmm. So she kind of, like, let herself go. Like, one of the things they said was, like, hey, cut out sugar. Because, like, then, like, it had to do with, like, what they were doing to her face. The dermatologist ended yeah, up fixing yeah. her face. And and they did, like, not to spoil it, but, like, they did. They did, like, fix her face finally after all these years. Yeah. Um, Not that her face needed fixing, but everyone no, feels but confident she, in different ways. Yes, but that was what she was yeah. saying. She was, like, my face, like, she not verbatim, obviously, but she was basically, like, like my face is destroyed and it's all my fault. And I was like, no. Well, she, yeah, no, that, no, no. that's just stuff she's been carrying for years. Yes, is that exactly. This, this thought that she couldn't be beautiful anymore exactly. because of what happened. Exactly. Um, but I, I, again, not to give away all the details, but the good news is that these women were able to help her. And from what I could tell, not just her skin, but like her confidence as well. Mm. Um, so I just thought that was a nice happy ending after all of these years that she just kind of so many years later seemed to get that piece of herself that she lost that night back. Yeah. And yeah. Um that's Marla Hansen. And that's I I mean I can I can go on, but I just I like closing it on a on a happier note. That's good. I um, can't believe I never heard of this one. Yeah, I know. And again, like I only heard about it because I'm pretty sure I was in like an Emilio Estevez deep dive as you do, you know, <laughs> every um, once in a while you get one of those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it was wild. It was it was a really fucked up story, but she. She's such a fucking badass. Yeah. And I love that. So that's why we're, you know, that's why we're here. Sometimes we've got good stories and yeah, as so, awful as what happened good to her. end up happening. Yes. As awful as it is that something like this happened to her. I, I'm just glad that she, she ended up, she, she ended up with a pretty full life. She's got a, a, a loving marriage. She's got a beautiful child. 
she yeah, is getting a career like a piece that of her got, life back. Yeah, that she got accolades for. And so yeah. you Google her and like, like you Google Marla Hansen and like screenwriter comes up. It's not like former model. Victim, or, yeah. Yes. Or victim. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's who she is, that she's a survivor. Mm-hmm. And so I just I'm really I'm just I'm I'm happy that she finally gets to. You know. Get yeah. some justice. That's good. Yeah. Because, like, this was this was a really fucked up attack yeah. on her. Yeah, like, is. if you Google... I'm not going to, like, treat her like a circus sideshow, but if you Google, like, the extent... Like, for example, like, she could have lost vision in her eye very easily. Uh, yeah. I, I, can't even, I can't even think of that type of injury. It yeah. just sounds like the absolute, like, most nightmarish thing. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Um, and and also for what it's worth, you can watch the Marla Hansen story. I'm not sure about how accurate it was, but I think if she served as a consultation or a, a consultant, I don't know what is wrong with me. If she served as a consultant, then I would think that they wouldn't she sensationalize did. it like crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, but you can watch that, I think, on YouTube. Oh, OK. Yeah. But no. All right. Um, that's that's Marla Hansen, though. That's, well, that's my story. There. That's not my story. That's her story. But you know all right yeah all right well you can go to our website it's crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com mm-hmm. and if while you're there you could check out our facebook instagram twitter and our patreon and you know what oh. it's a new month so it's time to thank some of our lovely patreon supporters hell yeah i'm talking about lucian travis stevie Angel Cakes ASMR, Kim, yeah. Sarah, Janny, Jan- Janny. I do it every goddamn every time, month. Every time. <sighs> Janny. I respect you. Yeah? <laughs> and, really Camilla. I, and Camilla. I can't. I know. I know. I'm trying. I, know. I love her. I know. Well, them. We don't know. Yes. Them. I love every single We love person. all of you. That supports us and reaches out to us and yes. uh, Lily? loves us. Yes. Like we've just we've got we've got so many. We've got Kimberly. Anyone we've got Kim. that's anyone that sends us dog and cat and other creature pictures. I exactly. love when it's exactly I, Sarah. I love when it's a random <laughs> like hamster or chicken. Those oh are, my god, those are yes. Great. Those are delightful. Like we we don't discriminate. We love all animals here. Yeah. Um don't me don't send me any fucking tarantulas though. Um mm-hmm. Unless they got like a little top hat on or something. I'm not into the top hat. I'm not into the tarantula. Those things those things are little harbingers of death. If you have a tarantula, can you put a top hat on it and send it to us? <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, <laughs> the tarantula will kill them. No, if you have real a pet chill. tarantula the the pet tarantula is probably just biding its time waiting to kill you. No, that's snakes. That's also snakes. At the Airbnb, (laughs) at the Airbnb I stayed at for our honeymoon, there was a uh, I learned later a cross orb weaver. It's a big spider. That was awful. That was awful. You sent a photo. Yes, it's about the length of my thumb. It was it was quite large, but like I became like uh, I could became a little attached to it because it was outside. If it got inside, all bets are off. Fuck you, you're dying. But um, it was outside and it was just chilling, and I watched it make its like little web and just hang out it's cool no 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 as long as it didn't get inside i was fine with it 
that's true. Um, but no, 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 no. No. Anyway. Hell no. Mm, fuck no. Yeah. Thank you to Patreon supporters. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you. For being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Maybe that'll get the Bo Burnham song stuck out of my head. Oh, God. She got it stuck in my head, too. All right. Sing us out. No, I, I'm not doing it. I have a Bo Burnham song stuck in my head. Go watch Inside. It's great. It's a good palate <laughs> cleanser to anything in your life. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm here for it. And go listen to Phoebe Bridger's cover of um, That Funny Feeling because it's just melancholically delightful. And I got to hear it live a couple weeks ago. And not only did I get to hear it live a couple weeks ago, I was at the show where Bo Burnham was and he got to hear her sing it live. And it was so wholesome. Go fuck yourself. You're welcome. Love you. Anyway. I uh, sensed his presence. I told Michael that I sensed his presence. And I was I'm like, sure he's he here. I can feel it. And then we saw it on TikTok later and they showed it to me. And I was like, <gasps> I sensed his presence because I really thought that he was going to be the opener. I, I remember when we were going to end the episode, psych. Um, and it was Maddie Healy from the 1975 who opened up instead. Cool. And he sang like songs that were, that have not yet been released. Like Ooh. he wrote, yeah, yeah, it was really good. He wrote one about COVID that was just fucking heartbreaking. And yeah. I was like, holy shit, this is really good. And then Phoebe Bridgers was just fucking great. And we have a picture or we have a, we have two t-shirts and one of them has her boobs on it. And I was like, this is very nice. All right. And now we're done. Okay, bye. Hey, let's release merch with our boobs on it. No. See you next Tuesday. Bye.